0: Your
1: daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: It's Crossover Thursday here in the Locked On Podcast Network. That means Locked On Steelers, Locked On Texans, Lockhorns. I'm Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers. We've got Cody Davis and John Hickman from Locked On Texans. We're talking about this upcoming Huge matchup here between the Texans and the Steelers. Cody and John, how y'all doing?
2: Doing well, man. You know, I wish we wasn't sitting here 0-2. But at the end of the day, I'm not surprised because even though we always hoping that they went 1-1, and we are stuck at 0-2. But the scary part about it is how we got to 0-2. That's what we are all concerned about here in the city of Houston.
1: What about you, yeah, John? I'm doing good, too, Steelers fans. And, uh, you know, happy that we're doing our crossover. Uh, same as Cody. Hate the way that we've gotten to this 0-2, you know, start. Um, I actually have week four circled for Houston as a panic week. We're going into this week. I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers with Big Ben back, five touchdowns, one interception. He looks great with this offense. The offense looks great with him. You know Mason Rudolph was just garbage last year. It was ass. Let's just call it what it is. It It was terrible. But you get your leader back. Juju looks like Juju again. Claypool, my gosh, I mean, he looks like he's going to be a stud. Steelers always find a way to find a damn receiver. They've been finding receivers for at least 20 years now, but you are talk some football.
0: No, you're you're right about that. Um, and Steelers fans have been happy to make it 2-0, although uh, they'll tell you they have a lot of skepticism. We'll get that in the second segment. It's time for me to ask you guys some Texans questions. First question, talking about the offensive line, what are your takes on it? you know, Watson got hit 13 times by the Ravens last week. I also feel it's tough to judge the Texans because they just went up against the Chiefs and the Ravens. Those are the two best teams in the AFC coming into this season, you know, and the Ravens, they beat They beat up Watson a little bit. They sacked him four times. Is that more on him? Or do you feel like the offensive line does have to step up a lot in these next few weeks?
2: Let me just, let me just start with this. Okay. Although Deshaun Watson has been criticized in the past for holding on to the ball too long, including myself, I have done it here several times on Lock On Texans, the number of times he has been hit this season is honestly not his fault, Chris. Hmm. The Texans' offensive line has been terrible during the first two games of the season, and what makes matters even worse is not the whole entire offensive line. Like, Laramie Tunsil, those guys on the left side, they are okay. It's the right side that has been terrible between Zach Fulton and Titus Howard. And what makes me really concerned about this this Texan-Steelers matchup is the fact that you guys blitz 60% of the time. And that is by far what the Texans struggle with when it comes to that offensive line, especially the right side. And my biggest problem with this is the, the two guys that I just named, Zach Fulton, Titus Howard, Titus Howard, our number one pick from last year, he had somewhat of an excuse, I must say. You know, he only played in 50% of the games during his rookie season last year. And, you know, before he went down with a knee injury, he showed some promise. And I'm pretty sure the fact that he had his rookie season disrupted, he's trying to play his way back into shape. And you also got to take into consideration that he is still dealing with the effects of a shortened offseason like everyone in the whole entire league it has really made it tough for him to get back to the player that he was prior to that knee injury. And I also must say that he's also still dealing with a banged up ankle that he hurt, I believe, in week one against the Chiefs. Now, this week, he actually participated in his first full practice on yesterday. So hopefully, knowing that he is somewhat getting healthier, it's going to be okay. But Zach Fulton, my God, no disrespect to him, but he has no excuse. He has to get better. Last week, as you said, Deshaun Watson was sacked four times, took a really big beating. Three times his sacks came from the right side. Mm -hmm. I counted the Ravens pressured this guy 14 times. Nine came from his right side. Mm -hmm. All I could say, this offensive line has to be better. Like I said this week, a better version of the offensive line means a better version and possibly a little bit more Chris Texans offense moving forward.
0: Speaking of the Texans' offense, what's your read on David Johnson so far? Uh, Cam Hayward was praising him this week at his midweek con- press conferences saying he's still dangerous and the Steelers are game planning for him to be a threat.
2: To be honest with you, Chris, I'm actually pleased by what I've seen from David Johnson so far. Now, does it make me happy that we traded a top-tier receiver for this guy. No, I don't think it ever will, but I am happy to say that I, I'm, I'm pleased with what I've seen from David Johnson, mainly so far in the first game against Kansas City where he, where he recorded 77 yards on 11 carries, not too much against the Ravens. I will say I did look stupid because I kind of misjudged how much of a factor Calais Campbell can be to a to a defensive team, Bad so that, that that that's on my fault. You know, I thought that we was going to get possibly a better version of David Johnson in Week Two, going up against the Ravens. But like I said, I miss just Calais Campbell, man. You know, but overall, I am happy about what I what I'm seeing from Johnson. And much like the rest of this team, I think he is going to get even better when the season continues building chemistry with his new team. I must say, he looks explosive. He looks really good coming out of the backfield and because we are now starting to get a sense that the Texans receiving core may not be as, as explosive as we originally predicted that is just going to be another target that Deshaun Watson's going to have to depend on when the season moves forward however i am predicting like a similar case for David Johnson against the Steelers not not being that much productive against you guys because you guys front seven is one of the best possibly the best in the league so hopefully Going into week four, we can go back to the David Johnson that we had week one, but this is a rough stretch, man, I must say.
0: It is a rough stretch, uh, but, you know, you got, you got the Texans. They got Deshaun Watson. Maybe he can help get get him some of that mojo back. But let's talk about the defense. Before we get to J.J. Watt in that front, wanted to talk to Bajon about the secondary, about how it's been holding up. They added Vernon Hargreaves. They added uh, – uh, excuse me, I'm, the other cornerback is escaping me right now, the guy from the Broncos. Barry. Here you are. Thank you. Um uh, we got the beginning on, but you got the whole—you t- got this team here, and he, you know Hargreaves is trying to restart his career after not working in Tampa Bay. What's your outlook on how this secondary it has been early on?
1: Well, to speak about Vernon, I think the verdict is still out on Vernon. Uh, we brought him in late last year, gave him some playing time, and, and Houston is still working on figuring out if he's going to be around or not. He he's had some moments, good and bad. I think if we look at the bad, you got to look at the two. The second and nine around the five-minute mark on Sunday uh, just allowed his man to get inside on man coverage, beat him, and was able to get a first down on him. And then he also missed a huge sack. If he would have got that sack, then the Ravens would not have went forward uh, with that direct snap, which we know Mark Ingram went ahead and ran that in, scored a touchdown, and then started to punch the Texas logo, just really disrespected us. But then he had a play. Uh, We had a nice pass deflection. In that game as well, so it's kind of unfair to grade him right now. But the numbers do show that he's allowed six catches on eight targets, and he just needs to improve, just like the rest of the secondary. And I think the issue with the secondary right now, uh, right now, is overall they have no identity. You know, I want to call it a lack of talent, a lack of all season, and just a lack of knowledge of who you who you have on your roster. Uh, I want to see Lonnie Johnson Jr. take over that starting safety role. I don't want to see him play corner anymore. Uh, But we have brought guys in throughout the offseason and really didn't understand who we have because didn't get a chance to play on the field. Overall, the secondary needs to step up. Uh, We've allowed too many yards, uh, 300-plus yards to Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson also had a good day. Uh, Just understanding that we have to tackle better. You know, we've been missing a lot of tackles, and I want to look at the coverage from the linebackers. The linebackers have to do a better job covering as well, but just to speak about the secondary, they have to get a sense of urgency from one and a sense of identity of who they want to be in uh, their back forth.
0: Let's talk about the front seven because the front seven still has J.J. Watt, but some people have been really hyping up Zach Cunningham at the, at the linebacker position. I believe he got a good contract recently. Um, what's, your, what's, your state, what's your take on the state of the front seven? Where J.J. Watt is, is he still the most impactful player? He's certainly the biggest name, but is Zach Cunningham starting to rise up and maybe be the guy that's going to take Houston into the next generation of its defense?
1: Absolutely, I'm going with Zach Cunningham and JJ Watt had a great game Sunday. Mm-hmm. Two sacks, one on matchups against, you know, two very good tackles, right? And that's what we wanted to see out of JJ, who makes 15 and a half this year, 17 and a half next year. We wanted to see JJ play, right a lot of money, but we wanted to see JJ be active like this against dominant teams. We know when he goes, when JJ goes up against the rest of the AFC South, he dominates. But at times he could get lost against some of the more dominant teams, how they scheme things. And so he had a good game, two sacks, a couple of tackles for loss, and really affected what they can do. But the overall answer to who is the leader, who is the guy for this defense is Zach Cunningham, who had 15 tackles Sunday. Uh, he just got that contract for a reason. Bill O'Brien wants to keep him around. When you mention the nucleus of players you want to keep around, and you mentioned the Sean Washington, Laramie So whoever else is involved and mentioned in those, in that group of names, is important. And they got that deal done for a reason. Uh, he is the guy. Now, of course, there are things he can work on. I think, like I mentioned, he can get better at covering. But one thing I wanted to see him do this year was get more sacks. Had a sack Sunday against Lamar Jackson. He's going to continue to grow. He's still a very young player. But he is undoubtedly the best player on this defense right now. And I think he is the the young, I'm sorry, I think he is the young leader on this defense.
0: Before we throw it to break, I want to hear from both of you on this because this is what a lot of Pittsburghers want to know. What's the status of Bill O'Brien as a head coach? Everybody was shaking their head at that trade with the uh, Sentaway DeAndre Hawkins. Cody, you talked about it not too long ago, just in this segment. Um, but And now they're 0-2. They're about to play the Steelers. And granted, again, Chiefs, Ravens, one, one A, one B of the AFC. Steelers, one of the teams that I that I you know I've been thinking of going into this year was going to be a force in the AFC to challenge one of those two those top two teams. It's a rough slate to start the year, but you're still looking at a year where Deshaun Watson is is you know, entering his prime. He's he's you know he's they just signed him a big contract, and you're not seeing results right now. Is is like you said, there's a panic button for Week Four, but like is there a is there a, a hate button right now going on for Houston?
1: For Houston the casual fans hate Bill (laughs) O'Brien. So the diehard, passionate fans, I mean, just think about this. Houston is one of the few cities in the country that has over a million residents, right? Texas has three cities with over a million residents, the population. In any given city, any given place, you're going to have Texans fans. So the casual fly-by-night fans, they want him going. You got to think about the passionate watch every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, hell, throw in a Saturday game, tailgates. They are fuming right now. Now, here's the problem, or what we can look at, Chris. The Texans opened up, and they have the hardest schedule in, I believe, the last 20 years. They opened up against the two juggernauts, and they're also going into week three playing a team that clearly clearly just missed their quarterback last year and came back this year and did not miss a beat so far. did Big Ben run for a, a first down the other day? He did. He got he a big first down run. I was like, Big Ben's still moving like that? Mm-hmm. But their, their schedule is, is what is limiting the, the success of them because they did not have an offseason. The Kansas City Chiefs, and the Baltimore Ravens basically got better throughout the offseason. Didn't really lose people outside of Earl Thomas when we look at Baltimore. And they, I, I think they got better as a team kicking him out. And then added J.K. Dobbins. Those two teams did not get, uh, did not get worse. They only got better. And so Houston has an opportunity to go up against you guys with three to win. But to say how pissed off fans are here in Houston, they're, they're past pissed off, and they have a legit reason to be. You know, not only is this guy your head coach, he's also your general manager, made a trade that has everybody scratching their head, uh, brought in guys in key positions that needed to be filled by players that have a lot of talent, and you're scratching your head wondering, does this guy even have game tape outside of special teams? Does this guy – I mean, wh- wh- who do we have? Who's filling this role? And, you know, ultimately I look at the fact that Cal McNair – and the McNair family has to do a better job of understanding if you really want your team to be contenders, you, you're going to have to make those cutthroat decisions. But everybody wants some fire. I think we may be the only two in the city of Houston that's, that's saying, wait a minute, hold on, step back. Let's at least get to week four. Let's at least play the Vikings first before we make any calls. But everybody wants this man's head on a silver platter or a red, right, and blue platter. Cody,
0: you're on the same page
1: here?
2: Yeah, look, Chris, I agree with John. Everything you said was on point. For some reason, even if they missed the playoffs this year, I don't feel his job is in jeopardy. I okay. understand the amount of questionable calls this man has made. I mean, go back to the, the playoff games from last year. You know, now as a general manager, the fact that you got rid of Jadavion Clowney and Hopkins and didn't even obtain a first round draft pick in the midst of that, I still understand. To me personally, I'm looking at it from a standpoint, if anyone, no matter the profession, no matter if you was a head coach of the NFL team or you working at your local McDonald's, if you have made the number of countless boneheaded mistakes like Bill O'Brien, there's no way you, you would have been gotten the boot at this point. <laughs> but for some reason, I still feel his his job is not in jeopardy. I think they're going to give him one more year. And I believe the McNair is holding on to Bill O'Brien because This Texans franchise, especially the ownership, they have like this obsession to become the next New England Patriots. And I'm sorry to say, there's only one New England Patriots. And of course, it's easier for the success that the Patriots had. It's of course, it's easier for the success that the Patriots have had over these past two decades when you have arguably the best coach of all time and the greatest quarterback of all time. That's something that the Houston Texans do not have. So just pray for us, Chris. I'm pretty sure we're going to be going through this again next year.
0: Well, the Texans also don't have hidden cameras everywhere trying to steal everyone's play. So that's certainly (laughs) a a factor as well. Had to get my zinger in on the Patriots real quick there. But we're going to head to a break. Before we do, we've got to tell you about our great sponsor, rockauto.com.
1: One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend thirty, fifty, or even a hundred percent more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? For example, the Delphi FG one four five six fuel pump assembly for a two thousand five through two thousand ten hundred Odyssey costs three hundred and fifty three. Still a nation, super glad to be back to talk about Pittsburgh. You guys are rejuvenated uh, compared to the Houston Texans. and We're kind of thirsty right now for a win, but the offense for the Steelers have looked so much better compared to what we saw last year. But you know what I'm going to bring up, Chris? What's up? Bud Dupree, who's in a contract here? how phenomenal has he looked through the first two weeks? I mean, I'll just say this. We have Laramie and we have Titus Howard as our tackles, right? And, you know, as mentioned earlier, we are having a very difficult time throughout the entire offensive line picking up blitz. Um, but Bud Dupree is a guy who can beat you one-on-one. and He has really caused havoc throughout the first two weeks. How good is it to see him take that step up? Because last year he had a phenomenal year. But it seems like he is really growing into himself as a player.
0: He really has, and it's something that Locked On Steelers fans have probably heard me say this this story a few times. But I've you know I've covered the Steelers for a few years now, and a lot of people said last year, and I talked to like on the lock on the when we did the big you know division crossovers, and I was talking to all the the, the AFC North guys, and a lot of those guys said, "Oh, Bud Dupree, he just had a contract year. That this, that was a one time thing." I'm telling people, Bud Dupree changed when this team let him start being himself in 2018. He was, it was, it was like midseason, And all of a sudden in the second half of the season, he had a tear where like three weeks in a row, he was getting a lot more pressures and you saw him be more active in the pass rush and in the run defense. And I asked Bud, I was like, Bud, what's up here, man? And, and Bud in his loving way and how he, how he talks, he's like, coach T didn't turn me loose. And he, he talked about how he's been getting after it more. But he, when he talked about it, he was saying that coach Tomlin just told him to be himself and do the things that he's normal. And at that time I was like, ah, it's just football talk. But then I realized after the season was over, the team did not extend the contract of of edge of outside linebacker coach Joey Porter, who was a former Steeler who won Super Bowl 40 with them. But Joey Porter's a defensive end converted to linebacker. The way that he always won was getting physical, not using space, but just using your hands, using your your strength to overpower people, which works for a TJ Watt or a James Harrison or, you know, or, or one of those bigger guys like Jason Worlds back in the day. But Not for Bud, who needs to use his explosiveness and his speed. And after Joey Porter left, 2019 came. He had 10 and a half sacks. Everyone's talking about Bud Dupree. And you see in these first two games, two huge turnovers that he's part of. The the Giants are on a 19-play drive, working their way down the field. Daniel Jones is on the run. And he gets attacked by Bud Dupree. He throws the ball in the air. It's an errant throw because of Bud. Cam Hayward gets an interception. Then last week against the against the Broncos, Drew Locke driving him down the field, takes a huge hit from Bud Dupree, a forced fumble that scooped and, and starts the Steelers' next drive, and that ended Drew Locke's day there. Bud Dupree is playing well against the run. He's playing well against the pass. He knows what the thing, and the, the crazy thing is, him and Watt's chemistry is unbelievable. They know when each other are doing different things. They back off into cover. T.J. Watt had an interception in week one. They play off each other from the opposite, from the opposite ends of the, of the field so well. That's what's really scary. And, and honestly, you know, at the end of the season, I don't think there's any way they can keep Bud Dupree. He's going to – he should be one of the premier free agents going into this year, and somebody got to pay that man because he is bringing damage.
2: Chris, when talking about the Steelers, you have to talk about the defense, probably more so than any other aspect of this team. We know how good the front seven is with T.J. Watt leading the way. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he won the AFC Defensive Player of the Week award um, for Week 2. But the secondary can be a little bit questionable for you guys at times. In fact, against the Broncos this past Sunday, they gave up 215 total yards through the air. What is your take on this Steelers' secondary, and do you feel – If the Texans go into Sunday's game thinking attack the Steelers secondary, that would be their best chance at winning this game.
0: I think they have to attack it smart because here's the thing. The Steelers secondary hasn't been horrible. When you look at at their first two games, the secondary – I mean, during the game and after the game, they admitted our goal was to shut down Saquon Barkley and say, Daniel Jones, beat us with your arm. They conceded – passes to him and they still were able to control the game for them for the most part against the Broncos you saw them kind of lock in on the drew lock in the passing game early and really it wasn't Cortland Sutton who's now out for the season and Jerry Judy that beat them it was Noah Fant. occasionally he got behind Devin Bush and maybe it was Terrell Edmonds but he got them up for a couple times and then Melvin Gordon just ran a, a wheel route that Vince Williams as a linebacker didn't get to the secondary ain't all too bad for the Steelers right now They've been, I think they've been playing these early games against these two second-year quarterbacks that they've been kind of like, okay, we're not going to try and do all these different things. We're going to let the pass rush win these, win these games. Against Deshaun Watson, I can see the secondary being a lot more aggressive, and especially because now DeAndre Hopkins isn't there. They might feel like, all right, there's no one player to key in on. amongst the receivers let's let's let everyone run with their man trust the guy trust the up front team to 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 maintain their rush lanes and not let Watson extend the play and and play with the play how they do um Terrell Edmonds had had a a really good game last last Sunday he had a pass breakup early he got called for I'll say this too the Steelers one thing if if you didn't watch the whole game in, in live the Steelers had six plays or the Broncos got six first downs in their game from penalties. Now, some of the penalties were legit. You could say Minka Fitzpatrick, he got there like a second early on a pass, and there was a Mike Hilton, pass, you know, rough in the passer. So that was, you know, he bumped him with his shoulder right after the ball came out. It's like, okay, you can see those. But there were three pass interference calls, one against Joe Hayden, which was kind of like, eh, one against Devin Bush, where you could see on the replay there was space between him and his man when he was called for it. And then another on Terrell Edmonds late in the fourth quarter where – The receiver, you see on the replay, Evans didn't even touch him. He just falls to the ground, trips on himself, and and they gave him the play that extended a drive. I think the defense has just been in some rough predicaments. For as good as the offense has been, when you look at the the overall numbers, the the Steelers' offense still hasn't put a team away, really, um, in the way that they they need to. And that's okay. Ben Roethlisberger talked about that on Wednesday in his press conference, saying, we're still growing, we're still learning together. And also it's important to remember the entire Steelers offensive line hasn't been together yet. Uh, David DeCastro, the five-time Pro Bowl right guard, hasn't set foot on our field. He finally practiced for the first time this Wednesday. Uh, they had a rookie fourth-round draft pick, their third-string right guard starting against the Broncos. And on 43 passing, passing plays, he gave up zero pressures. He played very well, but the Steelers said, hey, we weren't trying to put a lot of pressure on him. So I think that, that's part of why the offense is the way he is. But for the secondary – I think that, honestly, they're just it's a circumstantial thing right now that doesn't have high numbers. Joe Hayden didn't have an interception this past week. Terrell Edmonds had a fourth-down sack that turned the ball over and gave the Steelers the, the, the final possession of the game. So I think the secondary is actually fine right now. They may need to still gel a little bit more this year because they didn't get preseason and they're working their things back together. But, but I, I like the way they're playing. And watch out for slot cornerback Mike Hilton He had three sacks on Deshaun Watson the last time the Steelers played the Texans or not Deshaun. wasn't Deshaun Watson. I don't think it was Deshaun Watson, Um, but he had three sacks. No, it might've been anyways. in on Christmas day, that game, because I was there for that one, he had three sacks on the, on the Texans that day. He has two sacks coming into this game and the Steelers love playing with him. If you go back and watch that fourth down stop against the Broncos early on in the game, Mike was blitzing off the edge, blitzing off the edge, blitzing off the edge. So on that fourth down play, He lines up to blitz, and then as the ball is snapped, he backs off, and the entire Broncos line shifts his way. And Terrell Evans just snuck around the backside, brought down Jeff Driscoll, and that was the last time the Broncos had the ball. The secondary is doing a lot this year. And when you see those blitz numbers, they're part of it. They're taking those risks. They're willing to say, hey, you may get a big play here and there, but there's going to be pressure in your face. And I think that's more of what's happening with the Steelers secondary.
1: We look at 2004. Mm-hmm. We look at Big Ben, we look at Eli Manning, we look at Phillip Rivers. Only two of those guys are still in the league. We know Eli retired last year. In Big Ben's career in Pittsburgh, nearly 20 years, he played with the great Bill Cower and now Mike Tomlin. In the last several years, they've been very close, but haven't been able to get back to the Super Bowl so much. So Big Ben has contemplated retirement. Mm-hmm. Does those guys as a tandem? tomlin and big Ben have anything to prove uh going into the rest of this year
0: i think to themselves uh there's gonna be a lot of people out there that that, that start these narratives that oh this that mike tomlin stinks because he hasn't won a super bowl since 2008 but it's like you know how many other super how many other active head coaches have to have more than one super bowl right now you can only say bill belichick um and uh, you know with Mike Tomlin I think that he he's fine and him and Ben have a really good relationship I think Ben Roethlisberger has rejuvenated his sort of persona if you get a chance Houston fans and I've told Steelers fans to watch it if you haven't you, you listen to me now because you've been missing out there was a whole YouTube documentary called Bigger than Ben and it was a four part docu series about Ben Roethlisberger's recovery from the time he got injured to the time that he got his surgery to the recovery and then training camp and getting back to the Steelers and, and, and where he is now. And it shows a Ben Roethlisberger who kind of looks at himself and says, Hey, there were some things about myself. I didn't like, I had to improve myself as a Christian. I had to improve myself as a, as a leader. I have to improve myself on the field, off the field in all these different ways. And you're seeing him be more, be, be really into it. And I mean, even during training camp, there was a play where Kevin Dodson, the rookie guard I just mentioned, he's again he's a rookie fourth round pick, might not play that much this year, he thinks. Well, he had a knee injury, and Ben was ran right over to him, stood over him, and was like, hey man, I got you. And and called the medical staff over, you know, doing these leadership type things that you know you might not have seen out of him before. You know, you remember Antonio Brown going off on Ben saying, Hey, you don't do enough. Ben's doing all those things now and I think that's part of his him wanting to improve his legacy saying hey I, I can be a great leader I'm going to be a better leader and you're going to see them push that I do believe that they just moved I think into third all time as far as a coach and quarterback tandem with the most wins uh, and the only two over them are Montana and uh, Bill Walsh and of course Belichick and Brady that's legendary. They they still feel like they do need to prove it because they, of course they want to win. Their goal is Super Bowls every year, and you know that can't happen every year. But that's the goal of Super Bowls. So to themselves, they feel the, the need to prove it. But I think to the realists that cover the Steelers and the people that that are around, everyone knows and respects that these are two high quality Hall of Fame type guys with their roles, and they respect each other. And I think that there's a lot of um, organizational integrity that's built around that. So uh, th- th- is there a sense of they need to win? Yes, because they want to both win, but not in a sense like if we, lo- if we don't win another Super Bowl, our existence was meaningless on this roster. Everyone knows these two guys were huge for this franchise and uh, their relationship is historic.
2: After he recorded over 1,400 receiving yards in 2018, 2019 was a down year for my man Juju Smith. Um, in fact, he didn't even record 600 receiving yards last year, but I know that was because... Big Ben was out but what have you seen in the improvement so far in Juju Smith especially with Ben Roethlisberger back in the lineup?
0: Juju Smith-Schuster has been everything that you know he could be uh there was a there was a third and 14 that they called against the Broncos and it ended up being a wide receiver screen and he had two guys in front of him and he bulldozed them to get the first down um that, you know, he, he is doing everything within his power. During the off season he was working out like a madman. He, he, he gave everyone the videos. It's really interesting to see Juju because if you're not of the local Pittsburgh scene, and Pittsburghers, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not of this local Pittsburgh scene, you don't know that Juju takes a lot of vitriol from media people and some fans because he's always on TikTok. He's always doing something social media, promoting his brand. He has Juju flakes or whatever cereal brand he just released. And people are saying, he's not about the game. He's not, he doesn't care about winning. All he wants is to improve his brand. And it's like, well, wait a second. Then how come he catches almost everything thrown his way? How come he's blocking for everyone downfield in the Giants game? Maybe the biggest play of the, in, in a game that he scored two touchdowns in. Benny Snell's running down the sideline. The ball pops out. Juju's the only stealer. There were nine giants that, died, that dove into this pile. Juju was the only stealer down there, and he pulled the ball out and saved the possession for the Steelers that later got them points. Um, you know, th- that's the kind of stuff. He's showing, hey, I'm still a leader here. I'm still the man in this. And, he's, and it's crazy. He's still the only receiver younger than him in that receiver room is Chase Claypool, who got just got drafted. He's still one of the youngest players on the team, and yet he's playing like he's one of the most veterans on you know for the for the uh, one of the best veterans for the offense. Um, so a lot of that was just Ben was gone. Everything was dysfunctional last year, and now he's got his mojo back. He's got his guy back, and you're seeing him make not just the plays as a receiver, but as a blocker, as a helper, as a leader, setting things up for other guys. And you don't see him complaining with Deontay Johnson, who has the most targets on the team by far. He's 23 total. You, you don't see him complaining about Deontay Johnson. You don't see him complaining about James Washington getting the touchdown or Chase Claypool getting the touchdown. In fact, all four of those guys have touchdowns early on. I think that Juju's doing himself right, and he's doing Pittsburgh right, and he's putting himself in a position where the Steelers, at the end of the season, they got to look at signing T.J. Watt. They've already re-signed Cam Hayward. You know, Bud Dupree's contract is going to be up. James Conner's contract is going to be up. Juju, you know, for a lot of people are saying, you know, he can go because they have Washington and Johnson and Claypool, but he's putting himself in a position. If he continues the track that he's on for this year, I think the Steelers are going to have to keep him, find some way to sign him to a two-year deal at least – through Ben Roethlisberger, the rest of his time in Pittsburgh. And Ben himself is also saying he might stay longer than just these next two years in his contract.
2: Well, if y'all can't resign and we have David Johnson on our team, and <laughs> we would love to just throw him in for a trade for Juju Smith. You know, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just hey, throwing hey, it out hey, there.
0: You know what? Steelers fans would love that if you guys would also send over Deshaun Watson, you know, or, you know, or maybe even JJ. White, you know, I think Steelers <laughs> fans would love that.
2: Hey, to yeah, be honest, all the White,
1: you? And if we did that, all the Watt brothers would be on the same team. It would be like Wisconsin again.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> I, was, I wanted to bring that up with you guys. This is the second time since like 1960-something that three brothers have been on the field at the same time playing against each other. Because the last time was last year when the Steelers played the Bills. The Steelers have Terrell Edmonds and Trey Edmonds. And uh, the Bills, of course, have Tremaine Edmonds, their star inside linebacker. Now the Watts are together. You got J.J. Watt for the Texans, Derek Watt, who just signed at fullback for the Steelers this year. And, of course, T.J. Watt, who's on a serious tear right now. That's a great storyline. I don't care who else says.
1: No, it's a a very – you know, it's one thing about the NFL that with everything that's going on, with the the outside media press and everything, football is still – heartwarming at times and the NFL is the biggest platform for football right so going into Sunday's matchup I know they're going to do jersey swaps or somehow and I know family members who probably won't be at the game are going to have like those stitched jerseys with all three the Houston the JJ the TJ and, and the Derek Y jerseys type of type of feel so it's going to be good to see all of that.
0: I'd also recommend if anyone wants to read about the Watt family, and this is for Texans fans too, at the website I work for, dkpittsburghsports.com, we have an in-depth writer by the name of Tom Reed. He went back to Wisconsin and talked to the entire Watt family about just what these brothers all went through and the closeness of Derek and TJ growing up because they play. It's crazy. Those guys play on the same high school team together, the same college team together, and now the same pro team together. And they both still look up to JJ. You can read about how JJ Watt, you know, showed up to his first gym appointment at like 4:30 in the morning. And the guys look, and, and he said, his trainer looked at him and said, Oh no, I can make you a superstar. And all the work that those guys put him in and, and the family, coming together around them to support them as best they can. It's a great story. It published like a week or two ago or two weeks ago now um, on DK Go look that up uh, with the Watt family there from, uh, from Tom Reed. It's a great read. Anyone can get to that piece. Um, it's a great story.
1: All three of those guys will be on the field at the same time, like we mentioned. And you know, all three of those guys will be in positions to make a difference in this game. So we're going to talk about that and I can't wait to see the possible outcome, but first, Sunday's matchup, along with everybody else's matchup, has an opportunity for you to make some money with my bookie. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code Locked On and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the game you bet. Your winning season begins today, only at my bookie.
0: Welcome back to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers here with Cody Davis and John Hitman. Up. Locked on Texans. We've been having a great conversation, but now it's time to talk about predictions for the game. Before we get into our score predictions, I want to ask the guys, what's their biggest matchup they're looking forward to seeing in this game? Cody, I want to ask you, for the Texans, what's the biggest thing you think might help them win the game as far as matchup-wise?
2: I'm just going to stick with the receiving core versus you guys' secondary. The the Texans need to find some kind of way – to build chemistry and camaraderie amongst one another. We know, just like I mentioned in in the second segment, the Pittsburgh Steelers have one of the best defenses in the league from the front seven to the secondary. I feel if they can go out and put on a show or at least hold their own against you guys' secondary, I kind of believe rather win or lose, that's going to carry over to the rest of the season. John's been saying this whole entire week. The game that he has circled is – week four against the Minnesota Vikings but if they come out and lay an egg, I, I don't I think that's going to mess up their psyche really really bad so that's my number one matchup that's what I'm looking forward to and then by the way like I said I'm, I'm not expecting much out of the Texans run game you guys have TJ Watt he's turning into JJ Watt 2.0 what we did to the league over what the past six, seven years, TJ yeah. is doing it. So, I'm not expecting much. That's the only way I could see the Texans winning this game is if they attack you guys secondary. And it has to start with this, with, with our receiving core.
1: So, Chris, John, yeah, yeah, I want to look at it like this. I'm not going to look at it specifically with the players. I'm going to look at the sideline. I'm going to look at Keith Butler that still is D.C., right? And I'm going to look at Tim Kelly that is a matchup to really look at how is Tim Kelly going to go at Keith Butler, you know, defeating those blitz, those different defensive schemes that he is going to throw out against the Houston, Texans offensive line and offense period. Right. And I'm looking at it like this, Bud Dupree, Hayward, TJ Watt, monsters, right? We know this, it's, this is a fact. And I want to see Tim Kelly not have, those motion plays and only to use motions to call the same plays that's that's been an issue for the last couple of weeks and getting the ball out quicker designing plays where the ball gets out quicker because if we if we try to do a lot of five-step drops deshaun's going to get killed plain and simple they're going to throw whatever they have out there uh at deshaun at that offensive line at that front five to knock them off their game and i want to see tim kelly go into this game ready and willing to have Deshaun either call his own plays at the line or just get that ball out quicker by design. I want to see how he's going to design and beat Keith Butler, who's a very good D.C.
0: Very good point there. Um, I guess my biggest matchup, is going to be, uh, you know, it's a, a, a combination of players, but it's going to be Deshaun Watson against Devin Bush, Micah Fitzpatrick, and Terrell Edmonds. The guys who patrol the middle of the field for the Steelers are going to be huge in this game. I honestly think there's a chance the Steelers might not blitz as much as they have the past two weeks because they know Deshaun Watson has the mobility to get to break loose. They're going to probably trust that front four to say, hey, Rush the passer, but keep him in the passing lanes. They did that very well against Lamar Jackson last year. They almost beat Lamar Jackson with Mason Rudolph, and then after he was knocked out of the game, Devlin Hodges. And I think that when you look at the way that they play against mobile quarterbacks, they, they have a, they have the chemistry and the know-how to be able to contain them. So what's really going to determine is Devin Bush kind of being that spy and that, that, that guy that's like kind of like a robber you know, zone guy in the middle of the field, how they use Terrell Edmonds to jump down the slot, helping the box take away the tight ends and Darren Fells and what they like to do there. And then, of course, make up Fitzpatrick watching the eyes of Deshaun Watson. He hasn't nabbed that interception yet this year. This could be the game when he sort of reminds everyone, oh, hi, there was a reason that I was a first-team all-pro free safety last year in the NFL. Um, And I think that it's going to be those guys in the middle. If Deshaun Watson can get the best of those guys that's going to give. That's going to open up a lot more for the Texans offense because when you strike down the middle of the Steelers defense, that's when they start to feel vulnerable, and that might be their best shot to winning um, is attacking that. And I know, Cody, you're talking about the secondary and, and, and attack and attacking, you know, the, the corners, but Stephen Nelson and Joe Hayden. They when when they get in their mojo, I, I I wouldn't mess with those guys. I try to pick at Devin Bush with his youth. He's only 22 years old. I pick try to pick at Terrell Edmonds. You know he's a young player. I like him more than most people. A lot of Steelers fans don't like Terrell Edmonds, but I think that that's a place where you can say if we can get those matchups and find ways to win there, that might soften up the Steelers and slow down their blitz and and slow down their pass rush and give Deshaun Watson the time to do that. So. With all that said, want to get you guys' final score predictions. Cody, leading with you, who you got?
2: Um, This is a must win for the Texans. I'm going to go with 2017 in favor of the Texans. And... Their defense have looked good over the first two games of the regular season. Most, most, mostly the second game against the Ravens. As a matter of fact, the front seven was able to get to Lamar Jackson four times. And I believe that mojo that they were starting to get in that game is going to carry over to this game against the Steelers. So, but, I mean, I'm, I'm just praying. I'm praying for a win. That's why <laughs> I'm picking them 20-17. to 17.
1: John, what about you? This is a must-win game. Let me get my my uh, let me get some excitement into this. Let me make it dramatic. <laughs> this is a must-win game for Houston. Deshaun Watson and this offensive line must do a very good job of uh, the offensive line must protect Deshaun Watson. Bill O'Brien has to be better at decision making, and overall, the defense defense has to tackle better. Very important game. Very important matchup. The Pittsburgh Steelers is going to win this game. <laughs> 27-17, I did all of that just to let you know. 27-17, I believe he, uh, Pittsburgh will take this one.
0: I'm along those lines. I'm very close to your score. I got a 27-19. I think there's going to be some late-minute oh, – um, uh, Yeah, some late-minute, like maybe a missed extra point, but you're going to see the Texans try to get those points to make it a one-possession game, but the Steelers' defense is going to have to close it out. Um, but I, I just – I see a huge advantage for Ben Roethlisberger to go to his wideouts. Like, like, you guys were talking about the secondary, and, you know, there's still some unsureness back there. I think that with Juju Smith-Schuster, the way Deontay Johnson's getting open right now, he's, he has some fumble problems. He fumbled on a punt return in the first game and in a handoff in the second game. But I think with the way that he's getting open, if, if Ben Roethlisberger can get really – can get more aggressive throwing the ball down the field, the Steelers got four wideouts that can test anybody. And uh, I think that that's going to be the key to their victory is getting that that offensive production. And then defensively, you know, just, again, keeping Deshaun Watson contained, not giving up the big play, work against him over the middle, and take advantage when he starts to get – if he starts to get into a panic or still feels like he needs to put the game on his shoulders uh, with the big lead. I think that the Steelers take a take a you know halftime. It's going to be close. The third quarter, you see them pull ahead. Early fourth quarter, they get that last touchdown or field goal that gives them 27 points. You'll see you'll see the Texans fight back, and that's when you'll see them get to 19, and then eventually not be able to either get the onside kick or convert on the on their final drive. But I just I see it being a good game, but just one where the Steelers just edged them out by just a little bit. But that's our show here on Crossover Thursday. Um, I'm, again, I'm Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers. I want to give you guys a chance. Cody, you go first. Let people know where they can find more of your work.
2: Well, you can follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24.
1: And, John, same for you. At SomeSportsGuy on Twitter. Again, that is at SomeSportsGuy with two Ys on Twitter.
0: I love that handle, some sports. Guy. <laughs> Um, As you guys know, I'm Chris Carter. You can follow me on Twitter at Carter Critiques. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. Thanks for the show. Hey, go on. Go on. uh, Hey, let's do some team up here. Locked on Texans fans, locked on Steelers fans. Do this together. Go on to both of our podcasts, locked on Texans and locked on Steelers. Leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts with a positive review. Those things really help both of our shows. Getting the word out there about all the great things we're doing here. From Chris, Cody, and John, thanks for listening on Crossover Thursday. We'll be back in years on our shows on Friday.
1: You are locked on Texans.